0: started teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This will be part two. Last week we took a break from it and we had that message on uh, the Spirit of ex- or the Excellent Spirit. I'll give you a little bit of review because it's been two weeks but not much because we have to move on to a few more gifts. I think we'll get through three more tonight and we'll finish it up next week Lord willing. In 1 Corinthians 12th chapter, we have a description of the gifts of the spirit and their administration and their manifestations and how they're operating in the church. And in verse 1, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. In the original Greek, it says, now concerning spirituals, it doesn't say gifts. The word gifts here in the original text is derived from the word Paris which is a Greek word for grace. So these are the gifts of grace, if you will. And when charis becomes charisma, it depicts something that is given or imparted by grace. Charis is grace, but when the word charisma is used, it means that something has been imparted by grace. You were saved by grace, that's charisma. And so grace is an empowering supernatural touch That equips you with a supernatural ability to overcome something that you otherwise would not be able to overcome. It gives you the ability to do something that you couldn't otherwise do. And this is where we get our name charismatics. It means we believe ourselves to be graced with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Or at least we place a significant emphasis on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our expression, expression of worship. Now, we believe they're necessary for the church. Uh, We believe that they're intended to establish us, to reinforce us, to make us stronger, to help us grow so that we can bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. Um, You know, I I shared this story. I won't share it again, but I, I was brought up in a denominational church that did not believe in the gifts of the spirit. At least they didn't teach. Uh, about the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestations of them. At least I never heard them and I was in that denomination for over 30 years. But uh, there's a lot of denominations like that, that they don't think they're for today, that they're optional and you can take them or leave them. But I not only believe that they're for today, but I also believe that they're mandatory for the church. And the reason I believe that is because there's, you know, take the doctrine of baptism. Now, I know some people will fight you over baptism. If you tell them that baptism isn't necessary, they'll fight you over it. I mean, you'll roll around on the on the ground with them, uh, and yet the gifts of the Spirit are spoken of uh, four times more than the doctrine of baptisms. So it's important, otherwise the Holy Ghost wouldn't have spoke about them as many, as many times as He did. And so as you read about the church in the book of Acts, you can see the gifts in full operation. You can see them all, tongues, interpretation. Uh, You can see all the gifts in action in Jesus' ministry with the exception of tongues and interpretation because uh, that was for the dispensation of the church. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and he birthed the church, uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that was the Advent. Of tongues and interpretation and of course praying in the spirit and giving us a heavenly language in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, 1 through 11 it says now concerning spiritual gifts or gifts of grace like i said brethren i don't want you to be ignorant or unlearned that tells us something right there he's speaking to the church today he's speaking to the present day church he doesn't want us to be ignorant or unlearned concerning spiritual gifts he said, you know, that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. <coughs> I, don't <know> about, <coughs> excuse me, I don't know about you, but before I was born again, I was led away by all kinds of dumb things. You know, I didn't call them idols, but they were sure dumb. And uh, uh, they just, I just followed them whatever way I wanted, they wanted me to go. I was pursuing things. In other words, I wasn't following evil spirits or devils or anything like that. I was just pursuing things that were dumb. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And uh, we discussed this a couple weeks ago. But back then, one of the things that the persecutors of Christians tried to do was get you to curse Jesus. And that's what's happening today and it's been rather successful in a lot of places including this country and uh Paul is saying here if you're truly born again got the spirit of God living on the inside of you there is no way that you will call Jesus a curse and uh by the same token uh there's no way that you can call him Lord and really mean it unless you're truly born again so uh verse four says there are diversities of gifts different gifts but the same spirit there are differences of ministries or the the ministry of that gift but the same lord and there are diversities of activities but it is the same god who works all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit or the benefit of all and then he says for to one is given and then he gets into the gifts but before we do that I want to say this, that the gifts of the Spirit manifest in our life for our profit, for our benefit, for the benefit of the body of Christ, for the profit of the church, P-R-O-F-I-T, profit, benefit. And every time the Holy Ghost manifests himself in the church service, we profit from it. And uh, we benefit from it. Someone gets healed or God works a miracle. I mean, who profits from that? We do. God speaks a word of wisdom to us or a word of knowledge that helps us through a problem. It's we're the ones that benefit from that. It's our benefit anytime that the Holy Ghost manifests Himself. Now the gifts were given to the church. They belong to the church, not to each individual. Uh, they can operate through any individual in the church, any believer. Anybody that's born again, the gifts can and will operate through you if you allow them to, if you desire them to. And then in verse 8, it says, for to one is given the word of wisdom, not wisdom, the word of wisdom. And I know we joke about this all the time because, you know, we say, well, I'm just going to believe God for this and I'm going to believe God for that. And we say, hey, brother, you know, the first gift of the spirit is wisdom. And it's just a cliche, you know, in other words, use your wisdom before you say you're going to do something stupid or something like that, but it's really not imparting wisdom it's imparting a word of wisdom uh, for, for the one is giving the word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit. And notice that word gifts is plural. And we'll look at that in a minute. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as he wills. That means. He can use anyone in here if you're a believer uh if you're born again he can use you and he will use you but if you stop and think about it a minute the church not just this church but the church in general has been a little lazy concerning these things we haven't desired them we haven't pursued them we've been afraid to step out in faith and operate in them and i know that there has been plenty of times when God was tapping on your shoulder, wanting to use you and your heart was racing and you was, couldn't catch your breath because you knew he was trying to get you to give a word of prophecy or speak in tongues or an interpretation of tongues, but you didn't do it, you just stayed there. And that's one of the main reasons why the gifts don't operate in the church the way that they're supposed to. They ain't all up to us, amen? But 5 ministers. It's up to every believer. So each and every one of us can operate the gifts of the Spirit uh, and every one of us has a spiritual gift that's been imparted to us. Uh, so in other words, we're equipped with spiritual gifts and we can operate in them. So uh, the Holy Spirit is able to manifest them through you as He wills. Now we know the gifts belong to the church. He gave them, he gave them to the church. I was watching Matthew tap Jessica on the shoulders. Shoulder. She jumped two feet off the seat. She was really engrossed in this heavy teaching here. <laughs> Hallelujah, one of the little ones need some attention, I guess, so. praise the Lord. But we have that potential. The gifts belong to the church. And uh, so we don't pray for the gifts. They're already here If the holy ghost is here and he is Then the gifts are here. We pray for a manifestation of the gifts The gifts of healing plural is here But we don't know it until we see a manifestation and somebody gets healed Uh, The gift of miracles is here But we don't see it unless it manifests itself and somebody receives a miracle The gift of prophecy is here, but we don't know it unless somebody stands up and prophesies and the gift is manifested. So we pray for the manifestation of the gifts. Me and Pastor Ed was up here today praying for the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. And, and, uh, you know, it would be foolish to ask or pray for the gifts because God already gave them to the church. So it's important that we understand that God is a God of order. And that's why the gifts are administered and manifested as he wills. He's entrusted those gifts to the Holy Spirit, who has the mind and will of Christ, who has the mind and will of God. So uh, a few reasons why we don't see too many manifestations is, like I said, we, we have to desire them. You've got to want them to operate through you. You have to say, Lord, use me. Use me in any one of the gifts that you want to use me in. Because you're capable of operating in all nine of them. And then number two, we've got to be willing for the Holy Spirit to use us in this ministry. A lot of people ain't ain't willing. And number three, we have to step out in faith and have enough confidence to manifest one of the gifts. When you feel like the Lord wants to use you, you feel an utterance for a tongue. You feel an utterance to prophesy or something like that, you'll know it, but you're the one that has to give voice to it. And a lot of times we'll only get a couple of words and we think, well, I don't have it. I don't have the whole message, but it's God trying to get you to step out in faith with the two words that he gave you, and then he'll give you the rest of it after you step out in faith. And this is where we fall short. We don't step out in faith and do it. So again it says he wills and it's important that we understand this because the gifts are ministered by the holy ghost but they're ministered through the believer as the holy ghost wills and we have to know that we don't possess these gifts it's not my gift it's the church's gift but i can be used in it amen it can manifest through me but i don't own it I can't operate it as I will it's only as he wills so you have to be led it takes a certain amount of faith for that Um, but here's what the Lord spoke to my heart I shared this two weeks ago as I was studying on this subject and again I didn't hear an audible voice I was just impressed in my spirit I know I say that all the time but sometimes it's necessary because people turn you off when you say you heard from the Lord or you The Lord said this to me or that to me. I felt impressed in my spirit that he was saying this to me. That still small voice. But he said to me in that still small voice on the inside of me in my spirit. He said the spirit is always willing. He's always willing. Why? Because he knows it will benefit the church. He knows it will profit the church so he's always willing to manifest the gifts of the spirit because he wants to bring profit to the church he wants to bring benefit to the church he wants to uh, enhance and help and uh, encourage the church so he's always willing we're not a couple of weeks ago we looked at the first three gifts the word of wisdom and we went into quite deep Uh, quite a bit of detail the word of wisdom the word of knowledge and the gift of faith or what I like to call special faith because every man has a measure of faith but this is special faith and uh, we said the word of wisdom that uh, is a supernatural revelation or divine answer or solution for a particular event or set of circumstances so the Holy Ghost will give you the word of wisdom to solve problems and situations that you don't have the answers for through natural means it will just come to somebody and that somebody that it comes to has to speak it out and it might not make sense to you because it's not your problem or your circumstance but there will be somebody in here needs to hear that word of wisdom and uh, the word that's used in the word of wisdom comes from a Greek word logos and it's uh, uh, the word Logos, is, it means fragmentary. In other words, it's a fragment of the wisdom that you need. It's not the whole solution. But it's enough to get you on the right track and give you the answer that you need at that particular time. And that's why it's called the word of wisdom. It's the Logos. It's a fragmentary portion of what you need to hear. But again, it's enough. It delivers an answer that you need at that moment for a pressing or concerning problem. So uh, the word word of knowledge is the same word "logos." So the word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of knowledge or insight into something that you had no way of knowing through natural means. It's something that no one told you about. You didn't read it. You didn't see it on the news or anything. You had no way of knowing it in the natural, but it just comes to you. And you know, uh, the example I used was when uh, Jesus and the disciples were in Caesarea Philippi on a little retreat. And he asked the question, who do men say that I am? And they went through a bunch of different answers. You know, some say you're the prophet, some say you're this, some say you're that. And Peter spoke up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That was a word of knowledge. (laughs) Because he had no way of knowing that through any natural means. And Jesus said, flesh and blood or natural means has not revealed that to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Because God is the only one that knew at that time. And he gave that word of knowledge to Peter. And then, of course, you know, Jesus said, you know, uh, thou art Peter, the rock and or the actually he used a word that means pebble or stone and he says thou art peter the stone and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, he wasn't saying he was going to build the church on Peter He was going to build the church on the rock of the revelation that peter got from heaven Upon this rock, the rock of revelation that I am the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That was quite a word. And look who God used. The least one that you would have used in the crowd. If God told you, pick somebody, I want to give a word of knowledge. Nobody would have picked Peter, but God did. So that shows you right there. He can use anybody. Amen. Because Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth. He was outspoken. He was always getting into trouble. And uh, God used him and gave him one of the most powerful revelations that man ever received. Amen. But you know, God knows facts and details about situations and people that we don't know. And he imparts them to us. Not so we can say, nah, 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 I know something about you that nobody else knows. No, he imparts them to us so that we can share that word of of knowledge with them, and it opens their heart to the goodness of God, and then God can impart more into them, and it changes people's lives. You know, I told you about my testimony, how uh, God took time out of his busy day, well, it was a night, took time out of his busy night to tell me something through my, pastor, he wasn't my pastor at the time, but through the minister that later became my pastor, uh, he gave him a word of knowledge concerning something in my life and concerning something about my mother that nobody else knew. And when he did that, it opened my heart. I mean, I just broke down and started crying because I, I felt like, I felt first of all the love of God and then I felt like God took time out of his busy evening running the universe To show me some kindness and encourage me and it just broke me down and I mean just opened my heart to his goodness and I received him that was the first time I ever felt God in my life uh, to that degree and uh, I've felt him plenty of times since then but never to that degree God knows what you need when you need it and he'll be there with it amen because if I'd have got out of that church I would have never went back but he touched me in such a way I had to go back. I was like that guy in the video I was drawn to the things of God and so just that little word of knowledge it was fragmentary it didn't tell me the whole story but it told me enough to open my heart because I knew that God was speaking through him. So that's one of the reasons why this gift is so important not that I'm important but That's how it's used. Sometimes it could open up your heart and get you back into the kingdom of God or get you into the kingdom of God for the first time. But you know that it came from God. All right, let's get into some gifts now. The gift. Oh, wait a minute. We've got to finish up on the gift of faith. Supernatural (coughs) ability to believe God without human doubt, unbelief or reasonings. You can just believe God for something and, uh, You don't even know where it comes from. You just got this supernatural faith all of a sudden, and you can believe God for anything, and all of a sudden, the impossible takes place. That's the gift of faith. Now, we all have the measure of faith because you need that to get saved. So when, when we were born, we were given a measure of faith reserved for the day that we hear the gospel, and we have enough faith to believe the gospel and get saved. And then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you hear the word of God, the more faith comes. And then faith gets stronger and bigger because you exercise it by using your faith for different things. But this faith here, you didn't it's it's not like like the regular faith is a is a fight. It's a good fight of faith. You have to fight for everything. But this faith here is given as a gift. And when God gives a gift, there's no strings attached to it like we might do as humans. And you know, I'm going to give you this, but I'm going to expect something in return later, you know, and that's not a gift that's bait. But when God gives you a gift, there's nothing, no strings attached to it. And so it's, 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 this gift of faith is just, it, it comes you, It's like a burst of faith. And all of a sudden you're like super faith man, super faith woman, And you can just believe God for that thing that you've been believing him for. And it happens. Again, it's a gift. You can always get anything for your life through your own faith. But it's going to be a fight. A good fight of faith. Amen? All right, let's move on from there. Now, that's all the review. We're ready to move on to some new things here. Uh, We're going to look at the gifts, plural, of healing. And that's the healing of all manner of sickness by supernatural power without human aid or medicine. Again, it's a gift. And uh, the word healing comes from a Greek word that actually means to cure. It, des- it, it describes the process of being treated by a medical doctor. It's, it just describes that process. And it tells us that just like a medical doctor doesn't obtain instant results, I mean, we've all been to doctors. Have you ever walked in the office, says, Doc, I got that pain under here. And he says, oh, here, let me give you this and it'll go away. And you walk out of there without the pain. That's not how it works. Usually it comes through a process, a progression of healing. He says, take this medication so many times a day for so many days. And you know, if something doesn't happen, call me, we'll try something else but it, it describes the process of healing of, of a doctor to his patient and it uh, it if taken properly, if diagnosed properly, taken properly, eventually it will cause a cure and likewise with the healing manifestation it may begin with a prayer or it may begin by confessing the word or certain scriptures and it takes effect over a period of time and that's why this particular gift is called healing or curing. As a matter of fact, the more literal translation would be the gift of curing. And you know, just like when you cure a ham, Queenie, it takes time. It don't get cured overnight, does it? And I like sugar on mine, not the salt. I don't like that. Yeah, I like the sweet ham. I don't like that other stuff. That ham that tastes foil. Don't bring me none of that, (laughs) but it's something that takes uh, place over a period of time and it describes a progressive result. Now the gifts of healing are still supernatural, it's still a supernatural gift, and it's just as supernatural as a miracle that happens instantly, the difference between the gifts of healing and a miracle is the miracle happens instantly uh the healing happens over a process of time now if you had an ailment you've been to the doctor you've been diagnosed and all of a sudden you know you're in the service and all of a sudden the, the gift of miracles begins to manifest itself and it hits you and all of a sudden you get this this burst of faith and you can believe god for anything and the gift of, of miracles heals you instantly right there. The symptoms leave, every every side effect of the med, everything just leaves instantly. That's a miracle. But if the gifts of healings uh, operates in you, then you can leave here with the symptoms, but as you leave, you're still progressively getting better. Amen. It's a progression. Uh, the example that comes to mind is the seven, uh, in Luke chapter 17, the ten lepers. It talks about a group of lepers that came to Jesus and said, If thou wilt, thou can make us whole. And of course, Jesus wills. He always wills. And so, he told them, go show yourselves to the priests. Well, they weren't healed at that time. They turned around, and as they went, they were healed. It was progressive. It doesn't say how far they walked, how long it took. If they were totally and completely healed, or they were well into the process, but as they went, they were healed. That wasn't a miracle. That was the gifts of healing in operation. And, uh, like I said, it wasn't instantaneous, but, uh, it was still a manifest, a supernatural manifestation, uh, nonetheless, and they were going to show themselves to the priest so they can be pronounced clean according to Levitical law. And as they went, They responded to the healing. In other words, their act of turning around and going to show themselves to the priest before they seen any physical evidence themselves was their contribution of faith. And as they went, they were healed. Uh, Let's move to the working of miracles. We're all over it anyway. I probably don't told you everything about it already. (laughs) That's the supernatural power to intervene in the ordinary course of nature and to counteract natural laws if necessary. I mean, God is the only one that can operate supernaturally. He can operate outside of the natural realm. And the Greek really says the operation of powers Uh, Not just the operation of the working of miracles, the operation of powers. It's a divine operation of supernatural power that overrides all natural laws and quickly does something supernaturally that would be impossible in the natural. For example, someone may get well over a period of time and sometime with the help of medicine Like I did and am doing And it's just like the story Of the Good Samaritan we talked about Sunday When he poured in the oil And the wine into the man that was Beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side Of the road he poured in the natural Medicine of that day And then he brought Him to the inn and and Took care of him there and then he left Him there and said he'd return Well even though the story Doesn't say it I'm going to assume That he recovered he eventually recovered. Otherwise, Jesus would have told us the poor fellow died, but he didn't. He recovered. Amen. Yeah. And, and so he recovered over a period of time with the help of medication. But when a miracle is in operation, what normally would take place over a period of time, it's like, bam, and it happens right then. Just right now. The man would have popped up off the ground, completely whole, completely healed. No scams, no wounds, no blood, nothing. He would, that's a miracle. Uh, there's millions of examples. Old and New, no, not millions, but there's a lot of examples of the Old and New Testament. And uh, one that comes to mind is when Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes. And he fed the multitudes, you know. A uh, little boy gave him a couple fish and five loaves of bread or something. And Jesus held it up. Gave thanks for it and blessed it, and it just began to multiply. He just started passing it out to the disciples, and every time he passed it out, there was another fish in his hand, another loaf of bread. And just, just kept multiplying and multiplying until everybody was filled, and there was twelve baskets left over. That was a miracle. That happened instantly. That wasn't over a process of time. Uh, you know, it would be a. Uh, we would call it a miracle if he said go down to the lake, cast a net on the left side of the boat in the shade of that whatever and pull in a, a load of fish. That would have been a miracle to us, but that would have been a progression of time. The people would have starved to death by the time they processed them fish and baked all that bread and everything. Uh, but this was instantaneous. That's a miracle. Yes. Hallelujah. How would we like to see some miracles like that, amen? amen? It was an in, in, intervention of God in a natural thing and caused it to become supernatural. That's the working of the miracles. I think we got time for this last one. It's the gift of prophecy. We got to spend a couple extra minutes on this because there's a lot of confusion about this gift of prophecy and there's a lot of confusion about what prophecy is. Prophecy is a supernatural utterance in the native tongue, in your native tongue. Uh, Where tongues and interpretation wouldn't be in your native tongue, but the interpretation would. And when you put them both together, it equals prophecy. Same result as prophecy. But here, prophecy is a supernatural utterance in the native tongue. It's a miracle of divine utterance not conceived by human thought or reasoning. It includes speaking unto men to exhortation, edification, and comfort. That's what the gift of prophecy does. Nothing else. It edifies, it exhorts, and it comforts. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 uh, or yeah, 11 through 14, the gift of prophecy is referred to a total of 22 times. In those three uh, chapters, it's, it's referred to 22 times just to give you an idea of its importance. And first thing we have to do is knock over a couple sacred cows. And I have to tell you what prophecy is not the gift of prophecy is not foretelling the future most of us think that prophecy foretells the future not the gift of prophecy the gift of prophecy edifies resorts and comforts Uh, the gift of prophecy in the new testament is different than the office of a prophet who foretells the future Uh, the office of the prophet can foretell the future Like when Pastor Flint was here, he was prophesying, but that wasn't the gift of prophecy. He was operating in the office of the prophet, which is different than the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy, like all the other gifts of the spirit, can be operated by anybody, any believer in the church. But not everybody is called to the office of a prophet who can do more than that and Foretell future events, so that's that's one of the differences. But New Testament prophecy and the gift of prophecy is limited to those three things: exhortation, edification, and comfort. If they don't, if if that uh, prophecy that comes forth doesn't give that, that is not the gift of prophecy. Now, the office of a prophecy can bring correction and rebuke. And sometimes give direction but it also has to be something that it's usually confirming something that you've already been privy to God has already spoken something to you and it's like oh I could never do that or uh, I'm just that's my flesh I'm just not and God will use the office of a prophet to bring confirmation to that thing that God told you but we're, we're gonna stick with the gift of prophecy Ephesians 4 tells us when Christ ascended into heaven, he gave gifts unto men, or he gave gifts to the church, some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. These are ministry offices. These are not the gifts of the spirit operating. And this is talking about the office of the prophet. And again, it's different than the gift of prophecy. prophetic office can predict the future the gift of prophecy never predicts the future so we have to know the difference and just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet amen the gift of prophecy is not to be used to give guidance it will not give you direction for your life The gift of prophecy is not preaching either. Preaching comes from the mind. I mean, you know, we pray, we get a word from God and it goes in our spirit, but it's processed and preached through the natural mind. And it could be anointed and God could intervene at any time during that message and give you more and put out more that somebody might need or something like that. But for the most part, it comes from the natural mind. Word. A word of prophecy will come from the mind of God. That's the difference. And like I said, preaching can be anointed and inspired and there can be prophecy in it. But uh, preaching is normally not supernatural. Prophecy is. Uh, The gift of prophecy or prophecy is always supernatural because it's an utterance that comes from the mind of God. But it always brings edification, exhortation, or comfort to the body of Christ or to the believers. So the gift of prophecy is never to rebuke or correct anybody. It's always encouragement. And in the New Testament, when we need to be rebuked or corrected, it will come from the word and it will come from doctrines or the teachings of God. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but there's times when I got off on something and didn't realize it. And then by reading the word of God, I said, bam, there it is. It hit me. And God corrected me with certain things through the word itself. I said, how could I have said that? How could I have believed that it's right here in the word? And, you know, uh, you got to be willing to admit that you missed it where a lot of people ain't. Well, I know what the word says, but I know what God told me. God's not going to tell you anything outside of the word. But let's look at the three purposes of the gift of prophecy. Again, edification, exhortation, and comfort. I got to drive that home because if anything else comes out of your mouth, it's not the gift of prophecy. It might be the gift of suspicion or something like that. But edification means to build up. This is one of the reasons why we pray in tongues. It edifies us. It builds us up. Uh, It's designed to build up the church, the body of Christ. If a man or woman is weak spiritually, prophecy will build them up. If they're afraid, it will remove fear. The gift of prophecy and its root meaning points to erecting, strengthening, and to building up. If it doesn't do that, then it isn't the gift of prophecy. And this is why the gifts of inspiration Uh, Prophecy, tongues, and interpretation, they interpretation of tongues, they inspire you. And this is why the gifts of inspiration were given to the church. Exhortation means a call to encouragement. It literally means to put courage in. The word discourage means to take courage out. So guess who wants to encourage you? God. Guess who wants to discourage you? The devil when the devil discourages us or pulls courage out of us the gift of prophecy is designed to encourage us and put courage back and you know it doesn't have you don't have to stand up and get in go into this trance and say thus saith the Lord this could happen in the vestibule while you're saying goodbye to somebody a word of prophecy can come out of you and encourage them right there it could happen at Kroger uh, or at at work or at school or wherever you're at, uh, you're talking to somebody in a normal conversation, and all of a sudden you say something that exhorts them, edifies them, or builds them up. That's a that's the gift of prophecy operating through you. And, and a lot of times we'll talk ourselves out of it because we'll say, "Ah, uh, no, nah, they they wouldn't believe that, that Now, tell them if you feel like uh, you got a word from God, step out and give it to them. You don't know how it will encourage them or edify them. I mean, a word of exhortation could be, don't give up, don't quit. God said he's raising up a standard against the enemy and he's going to bring you through. That's a gift of prophecy. That encourages somebody. Uh, You know, a word like that, if we keep it to ourselves, it doesn't help anybody. And sometimes people need to hear that. They need to be built up and made and strengthened in God. And then finally, the word comfort, and then I'm going to quit. I hope. The word comfort means consolation. Consolation. It brings healing of distress, sorrow, persecution, and suffering. It brings healing from those things. I'm, it's not. Pity. We don't give anybody pity. We console them, and we're understanding towards them, but we try to encourage, edify, or comfort them. And so this word comfort means to bring consolation. And we live in a world of broken lives. Just look around. There's broken lives in this church. There's broken lives in our families. If your life ain't broken, you know somebody's life that is broken. There's a, a broken dreams, broken ambition, broken hearts. And all man can do is feel sorry for them or give them pity. But if you get a word from God, you can edify them, comfort them, uh, exhort them, build them up, strengthen them, uh, give them a new outlook on the situation that they're in. Just knowing that they heard a word of encouragement Sometimes it makes a difference between them making it over or going under. And you know, we all need help at one time or another. We don't need pity. Ask Pastor Red. I don't care. I've been in some tough situations. I never got pity from that woman. But I I got a word from her. I got exhorted. I got edified. I got built up. I got comforted. Got my butt kicked. But I got up and I went on. Amen. And that's what people need. They don't need somebody feeling sorry for them. You get in the same pity pot with them and you both cry together. That don't help nobody. You got to get them encouraged and out of the pity pot. And the Holy Ghost is the only one that can bring this kind of comfort. Because it's, it's not just coming from your mind to their mind. It's coming from your heart to their heart. And I know you don't want to believe this, but people come to church sad, broken, dejected, discouraged. People come to church like that. Yeah. This church. And some have even entertained the thoughts of suicide. We've had people that we ministered to and didn't know it at the time. I and mean, when we could tell it, it doesn't take a rocket scientists and it doesn't always take the spirit of discernment or 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 discerning spirit to know that somebody is depressed or sad. Sometimes we can see that with our own eyes in the natural, but we've ministered to people that were on the brink of suicide and didn't even know it. What if we'd have said, ah, they don't want to hear that, they ain't going to accept that from me, or you know, what if we would have brushed that off? Who knows what would have happened? But anyway we can let the Holy Ghost work this gift through us as long as we're willing and it doesn't have to be in a church setting and it doesn't have to be thus saith the Lord we can bring comfort with a handshake comfort with a hand on the shoulder comfort with a hug amen Uh, we can prophesy that God loves them and cares for them you know if you go up to somebody and say I don't know what you're going through brother sister But I know that God loves you. I know that for a fact, that God loves you, and he wants to help you through this. He cares about the problem that you're in. That is the gift of prophecy at its height, its highest height. You can't get no more uh, gift of prophecy than that. And it doesn't take, you know, such a discerning spirit. It doesn't take a, you know, thus save the Lord type of thing. And you can say it in church Or at the grocery store Or or at work or anywhere else People need to And they don't have to be another Christian But God wants All three of these ministries Edification, exhortation and comfort He wants them operating In the church all the time Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 31 For you may all prophesy One by one In other words there's got to be order to it that all may learn and all may be comforted the whole church gets comforted by that and god wants us all to be an instrument that he can use to edify and build up the body of christ i know we try to come in here with that big sunday smile on our face and that we've got our faith shield and our faith shirt on and all of that but a lot of times we need Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Don't go according to the smile. I mean, there's been times when God told me to give somebody 10 bucks or something, and I look at them and say, they don't need 10 bucks. But I obey and give them 10 bucks, and I can't tell you what it did for them. Amen? Amen. It's like paying for that guy in the Mercedes behind you at Starbucks. It touched his heart. It opened his heart. And that's what we need to do. That's our job. God bless you. I love you. Appreciate you. See you Sunday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you. And remember, Jesus is Lord.